Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Which coast? Traveling east to west. Aaron Laugh. No, he did No. <laughs> Mark Gunnels. At the house on it. Chiefs coast to coast. Holmes jersey today or like you know something it's understood man you know sometimes you just people they know what's up man what's understood doesn't have to be explained there you go there's the saying i was looking for <laughs> <laughs> what's up bud bro i'm hanging on by a thread right now i, I can't even lie to you i don't know how you're alive right now <laughs> i can't even lie to you it's barely Shout out to 41. I was watching the live stream all the way out here in L.A. I saw you interview Frank Clark, and I saw the Juan Thornhill one. Those are the only two I saw. Yeah, I got Sneed. Um, I'm trying to think of who else came by. Um, yeah, the, the, I was kind of at the end of the parade. I was kind of at the end of the parade route. So by the time they got to me, they were either uh, yeah. a little, a little too, a little too lit, or they were on the bus again and, and just ready to get to the rally. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I thought forty one. I don't think forty one. I know for a fact forty one had the best parade coverage, bar bar none. Oh, the coverage is amazing for people like me that are out of town. I mean, I felt like I was there. I really, truly did. Let me send this tweet out real quick, telling folks that we're live. Talk to your colleagues, man. I, I sent that tweet out earlier because I really meant it. That was really hey, cool. that's real, man. Get, getting the Mark Gunnell stamp, you know that doesn't that doesn't happen too often. I don't take that lightly, man. When, hey, when I do it, you know I really, really mean it. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame a kid from KC couldn't come back for the parade, man. I mean, you know, I was at the Super Bowl, so I'll I'll take that. You had to pick one, <laughs> one or the other. Yeah, pretty much, and I think I'd rather take the Super Bowl one for this time. But you know what? Is this just arrogant of me? I think there's gonna be more parades. So like, oh, I'm very not- arrogant. I heard so, a lot of that. I heard a lot of that today. Another one next year. So folks were like, oh yeah, if I don't. I, I didn't catch it this year, but we'll get one in one or two. I'm like, come on, really? Like, like, Super Bowl can- just come, just come like candy, man. Kansas City's at that point already where it's like, uh, I'll just catch the next one when it comes around. Like, really? Right. Come on, y'all. Next- Absolutely not. Chiefs Coast to Coast, episode 45. And what an episode it is, man. We're celebrating the world champion Kansas City Chiefs as they take down the Eagles in Super Bowl 57. Mark Gunnels was there. Aaron Ladd was there. Kramer Sandstone is behind the board with us here in Kansas City. Coast to Coast, we'll recap that game. Uh, I'm trying to hang on to my voice here by a thread. We'll do that. We'll check in on Mark's picks. We'll try and peek ahead to the offseason, but mostly today it's going to be a vibes cast. We're going to give you all what it was like to be in the building and kind of just put a bow on what was a championship season for Kansas City. 
Um, and we love making y'all part of the show. It starts with that. It's all about that. If y'all want to chime in here on uh, Coast to Coast, we record on Wednesdays. Um, use hashtag C to C. We got a couple people rocking with us already. Chiefer65 TPT says, let's go. We got a lot of people already fired up in the chat. If you want to leave a voicemail, 816-514-1267 is our voicemail line. <clears throat> let's make it a family affair today, man, because this this is fun. This, this, this is one of those fun, fun shows where we get to recap and have a, have a lot of time and that kind of thing. And I even got some confetti for some people who leave, uh, who leave some comments, leave some reviews uh, on the podcast. I, I'll pull it out here in a second, but I got some confetti if you if you mention us on the podcast review. Uh, anything else, Mark? Before we get into it, um, yeah, man. I mean, long season. We finally made it here and Super Bowl champs. I mean, after all the dialogue throughout the year, all after summer trading Tyreek Hill, and then at the end of the day, man. Subo champs two times in the last four years. I mean, like you always say, don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. Let's get into our game recap. Mahomes avoids. He's a magician. Chiefs recap. I'm sure y'all know by now, but if you don't know, now you know Kansas City Chiefs. Super Bowl 57 champions, they defeat the Philadelphia Eagles 38-35 to out at State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona. Whew, a tale of two halves. Uh, I mean, whatever you want to say, the Chiefs come back from down 10 points at halftime. Mahomes' final line is 21 for 27, 182 passing yards, and three passing touchdowns. Jalen Hurts, I want to give him his flowers now. This is not an Eagles cast, but we are going to give him his shine because he balled out and played a, played very well at the biggest stage. I know he made a major mistake uh, that ended up costing the game, but I thought there were some key plays, third down, making plays with his legs, avoiding the rush. He proved himself to be worthy of that stage, and Patrick Mahomes said as much. Post game, 27 for 38, 304, one passing touchdown in the first quarterback in league history to have three rushing touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Kansas City wins the turnover battle. Oh, no, they don't. Or Yeah, they do. They did. They got the they got the one takeaway, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll we'll get into a lot of different parts of this game, but let's start on a personal level um, before we kind of go before we kind of go dig into the X's and O's. This was your first Super Bowl, man. W- what was it like being in the building with all the celebrities, uh, being on the field, you and Donna Kelsey right there neck and neck? And uh, <laughs> what was it like being in the building? Um, man, it was definitely a surreal feeling. You know, you always watch Super Bowl on TV, obviously. And, you know, people always talk about how it's not really for the real fans. I didn't really sense that in the Super Bowl. I, I felt like there was a lot of, like, real diehard fans from both sides that were there. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously celebrities were there, but I, I thought the real fans were there. And people saying they watched it on TV and said it was really loud from both sides. Uh, there was definitely more Eagles fans there. But the Chiefs fans definitely made their presence felt as well, especially in the second half. Um, so, yeah, man, it was just a surreal experience to be there live. I will say this, though, and you you don't really know it until you're actually at the game because you're, te- you're at home, you're drinking or whatever, watching the commercials. Those TV breaks at Super Bowl, they're live are long, bro. Like, lengthy. lengthy. I was like, are we going to play football again? <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of crazy because you think like it kind of ruins the momentum a little bit of the game 
Because obviously, the longest, teams- yeah, the longest break to me was that the start of the game. It seemed like the guys were sitting at that coin toss yeah. position for a very long time. They had Donna Kelsey kind of doing her thing. Then after the coin toss, the guys were standing, standing for a little bit and just sitting around. It was a lot of downtime for sure. Yeah, and then even when they're about to kick it off and they were like in position, it still took like another three minutes for them to actually kick the ball. <laughs> so, yeah, man, that definitely stood out to me. But overall, great experience, obviously. I mean, you couldn't drop any better for my first Super Bowl being with my hometown team in it and then them winning. So just a surreal experience, man. Yeah, first Super Bowl for me as well. I mean, blessed to be there, blessed to be in the building. I don't take that for granted. It was real surreal to just be at the Super Bowl, right? And there's all these auxiliary press boxes. There's a media workroom outside. There's all these different credentials and stuff like that to have a seat. To be in the post-game locker room is something I'll never take for granted. Win, loss, or draw. Of course, Kansas City ended up winning, which made it even that much sweeter. But um, it, it, it was the culmination of, of a full year's work on our end, man. I mean, you know, we've been doing this pod every day, every excuse me, every week um, since training camp. We've been following the team every every day, seems like, this, this whole year. These guys have been putting in the work, and so have we. So to be in the building – and then that whole week lead up, right? Like I got to Arizona on Tuesday. You're talking to fans every day. You're talking to player staff. You're talking to players. You're talking to support staff. I talked to Mitch Holtz for a long. I mean, just all that build up, all that energy, all that anxiousness of like what's going to happen when it finally, when the game and the, and the ball is finally kicked off. Um, it was fun. I, I kept a lot of mementos. I kept some confetti for myself. Of course, I got the credential, bought some t-shirts, bought a game ball back there. Like I, I know, hey, if I never get to another Super Bowl, I want to enjoy this experience. And it was special, man. It, it was good to be in the building. Let's go to some X's and O's now. Very simple question here. And I, and I want to get y'all's opinion on this as well, who are rocking with us in the chat. What are some of the biggest plays? Give me your three biggest plays of the game um, between Kansas City and Philadelphia in Super Bowl 57. We might have some overlap here. I know there's a few that everybody's going to point out to. Um, but 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 give me your give me your biggest plays of the game, Mark. Well, obviously you got to start with the Nick Bolton scoop and score, right? I think that's probably the the obvious one that most people are going to predict. Uh, at that point, you're down fourteen to seven. Looks like Aaron froze on me. Hopefully, he can hear me. Can you hear me, Aaron? You got me, <laughs> bro. <laughs> that's my bad. I, I don't know what happened. I'm sitting here in the same position. That's crazy. Okay, <laughs> biggest plays from Super Bowl fifty seven. And you said, well, obviously. <laughs> yeah. So, obviously, the first one is the Nick Bolton scoop and score, right? Yeah. That's probably going to be the one everybody mentions uh, for obvious reasons. At that point, you're down 14-7. to 7. You tie it up. You get the momentum back. I, I think that really kind of evened the game out from that point on. So, definitely shout out to him on that one. Uh, the second one I'm going to mention is probably one that people really won't remember. And I'm going to remember it, though. Remember when Hertz was rolling out to the outside? And Colin Saunders chased him down. It was actually yeah. technically a sack because he that lost was the, the first yard. sack of the game. Yeah, yeah. But for a guy of that size to be that nimble to reroute Jalen Hurts' direction to force him to go out of bounds and not get any yardage, and they were in Chiefs territory at that point. So that was a crucial point in the game, man. That people won't, like I said, won't remember it that much because it's not a flashy play. But I thought that was definitely huge for them not to get any more yards while they're already in Chiefs territory at that point. So that one, because I think they ended up putting on that drive, if I'm not mistaken, as well. So they, they didn't even get in field goal range. 
And then the last one, I mean, this is the obvious one too, right? The Mahomes scramble on the last drive. Yeah. Yeah, to get yourself in field goal range, to keep the clock going. And at that point, you have full control of the outcome of the game. Then obviously, I mean, the McKinnon play, that's an extra bonus on that drive as well. The awareness to slide and milk the clock to where the Eagles only had eight seconds to do something with the football, which is, you know, you can't really do much with eight seconds to go. So those would be the players that stood out to me. Yeah, I'm going to overlap with you on the Nick Bolton play. Got a shout out to Tiger. I mean, first Mizzou Tiger to ever score in the Super Bowl. Biggest play of the game. And it was, as I mentioned earlier, the one mistake that it seemed like Jalen Hurts made to that point, and it immediately turned into points for Kansas City. If he fumbles and KC recovers and gets three out of it, completely different ball game, completely different outcome potentially. Um, the fact that the ball, and I was talking with this with Matt Derrick in the press box, the fact that the ball bounced so perfectly to Nick Bolton, like usually they coach players in those situations, hey, just fall on it. You, yeah. You're not the most athletic guy. You're not going to scoop and like just fall on it, get possession back for the offense and let 15 go out and get it. It bounces perfectly into his hands. He scoops it up and goes into the end zone. That's got to be a key play right there. Here's one that's off the beaten path that maybe not a lot of people will highlight. I went back into the in, into the game log to get it right. It is third and one on Casey's first drive of the second half. And Jarek McKinnon gets that little fullback dive play that goes for 14 yards, and they end up getting a touchdown on that drive. KC needed seven on that drive. Had they gotten three or nothing, it, it, it's a different game. It's a different ball game. The momentum was all in favor of, of Philadelphia at that time, and you felt like if KC didn't get seven specifically, that it was going to be tough sledding for them to come back. That play gets them the first first down of that drive, which we all know is the hardest when you're trying to mount a comeback. Get that first first down. They get the first first down. They end up getting seven on that drive. An absolute monster one. And then I'll say Sky Moore's touchdown. His first touchdown in his professional career comes in Super Bowl 57. We know it was kind of like a mirror of the Kadarius Tony play where they basically have Kelsey bluff over the middle and you use your speed guys. I think eventually it was revealed that Sky Moore was actually lined up on the wrong side uh, <laughs> and still ended up scoring. Uh, I think what's really cool about this question, best play, and I see a couple people in here chiming in, uh, with their best play. It could be a couple plays for Kansas City, Mark, really. I mean, yeah. it, it's not just one that stand. obviously Nick Bolton and some of those big ones, but you could pick from three or four that were, that were big and important plays. Yeah, you know, surprisingly, one that you didn't mention that I thought you would, and, and I didn't mention it because I didn't want to have too much overlap, is the Kadarius Tony punt return. The punt return, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's the longest punt return in Super Bowl history. And he's been a guy that we've been waiting to see who's going to pop one all year, right? Because he dances so much. He's like, get north and south, right? And he <laughs> danced a little bit, and then he finally went north to south, man. And that was a huge, huge play. So, yeah. And up, I remember tweeting it out because we were I was kind of monitoring his snap count to that point. There was a point in the game, kind of in that third quarter, where he had only played one offensive snap. They tried to get him the ball another time, and there was a penalty that kind of ruined that play. I was like, what's going on with KT? Are they saving him for something? Is he not 100% healthy? Obviously, he wasn't 100% healthy, but that punt return paired with the Nick Bolton plays, those are basically touchdowns, Mark. I mean, pretty yeah. much. You got, a, you got a defensive touchdown and a special teams touchdown to go along with what Mahomes and then gave you. 
Um, it, 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 those were a lot of big plays and, and crucial plays. I see a couple people chiming in. Chiefs fan in Colorado says Colin Saunders is underrated by the fans. Just my two cents. Maybe he's somebody that gets his, uh, gets his full due this offseason, maybe somewhere else. Have no doubt in the Chiefs' ability to run it back this time. Uh, not as many moving pieces from Chiefs fan in Colorado. Um, nobody brings up the three-pointer Harrison Butker missed. And let's let's hop in on that really quick. I don't have this on the rundown, but there's a lot of different stuff we can we can bounce around to. Did you like that decision to to, to kick it there? I, I tweeted out something in a moment, but I want to get your thoughts. KC, uh, I believe it was seven seven at the time. KC was trying to go up ten to seven, and Butker misses. Well, what were your thoughts on that decision? Yeah, so I mean, it'll be it'll be easy to do a you know a hindsight twenty twenty reaction, but in the moment, I didn't have no problem with it. I think it was what fourth and three, I believe. You got a 42, 43 yarder. I mean, that's a that's an average kick for an NFL quarterback, NFL kicker. 42 yarder, have, yeah. Yeah, they, they should be able to make. And I mean, it's early in the game. I don't want to have to chase points and then you look back and you don't get it. And you're like, wow, I wish we'd have those three points early on in the second quarter. So I thought it was the right decision. I think people only only saying that because he missed it in the moment. I don't think. Mo- People were saying, let's go for it on fourth and three. I, I just I don't think it was that type of situation for me. Yeah, we know how aggressive Philly is and Sirianni's always going for it on fourth down. So when you don't go for it on fourth down or make what's seen as a eh, I won't say conservative, conservative <laughs> move. Yeah. It, but Bucker had been clean up to that point. Realistically, we come on this pod the last two, the last two rounds and said, we trust him again. We have faith in him again. He's shown us that he can hit it. The guy sent you to the Super Bowl. I mean, <laughs> realistically, and it was a 42-yarder. It, it, it doinked off the post. I, nine times out of ten, I'm usually the guy that's like, go for it, go for it. You got 15. It's three yards. In that situation specifically, I thought it was very early in the game. Let me, let me get out the specifics here. First quarter, fourth and three from the Philadelphia 24. Uh, the operation looked good. Snap looked good. Hold looked clean. He just missed it, and and ultimately you had to come back to him in the biggest point of the game, and and he that faith in him paid off. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it also helped that it was like a 20-yarder as well, right? <laughs> I mean, if he missed that one, I mean, that guy would have been looking for a job right now, right? Can we talk about the ending? Can we talk about the ending yeah. a little bit? Because I, I, I understand, and I've been listening to a lot of national media and a lot of people digesting this game. We're talking about Super Bowl 57. Here on Chiefs Coast to Coast Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, um, the hold on what was it? What was his name? Bradbury. Yeah, James Bradbury. Uh, James Bradbury. I, I get, I get what the frustrations are. Right, we were we were witnessing an epic duel between the two best teams in the league this year, and basically, essentially, we were robbed of seeing Jalen Hurts have an opportunity to give his t- team the chance to either extend the game or win the game. Chiefs Kingdom doesn't give a flying you-know-what about that, you know? Like, obviously, they don't care. And to me, it was the right call, but it does kind of leave that, if you're just a casual fan, if you're just a spectator of the sport, if you just want to see two teams duel it out and last last person with the ball wins, it is kind of sour that, like, ah, the end game basically played out from there because KC was probably going to kick a field goal anyway, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I get the frustration. It was third down. It would have been fourth down. It would have kicked the kicked the field goal from a little further out, and the Eagles would have plenty of time to at least get in field goal range and potentially force overtime. And we would have saw 
the new overtime rules for the first time in the playoffs, in, right? In the Super Bowl, in too. the Super Bowl, that would have been crazy. <laughs> that would have been really crazy. So, as a casual fan, I could get why you were probably rooting for that to see how that would have played out, especially on the biggest stage possible. Um, but it was the right call. But the thing about it is, like, just as a casual fan, I'm taking off my my red glasses. Can you do that? Can you do that? Is that possible for you? It's so hard. <laughs> but I would do it. I'm, I'm, I'm a professional, so I can do it. I can switch hats. I, I do think the inconsistency is a problem because if you remember early in the game, Bradbury held on Juju in the, early in the game, and they didn't call that one. I liked that as a no call. I'm going to be honest. Really? To I me, didn't. That was, that was more egregious than the one in the fourth quarter. See, I didn't think that one was too egregious. It was way too early in the game, and realistically, eh, I didn't see, I didn't see Juju sell it enough. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't see him really go into it. I, I, I to me, I saw it as a no call. It was the first quarter. It's the Super Bowl. Punt the ball and play football. Like, yeah, I didn't. That's a third down. That, that could be potentially a scoring drive if you call that. So Well, you so, got the one when it mattered the most. I mean, if you had to choose between the two, I think he got the one that mattered. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But at the time, I didn't think I didn't know that was going to happen. So, you know, but them not calling that one probably led Bradbury to think, oh, I can get away with this because this is how they're calling the game. You know, you want to see how the refs are calling the game early in the game to kind of fill it out, you know. So he's like, oh, I've been doing this all game. So they're not going to call it now, obviously, in the most crucial moment of and the game. And usually they don't. Usually they <laughs> swallow their whistles in those type of situations. It's very rare that, that refs will insert themselves into the final crucial deciding moments of a Super Bowl like that. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it was the right call. But it was the fact that they weren't consistent throughout the game with that call is why people are probably upset. It's a Cheffers crew. I mean, we expected consistency. I thought I thought I thought y'all knew what time it is, what time it was when y'all saw what the official. That's the funny thing because he's supposed to be anti-Chiefs, right? Chiefs fan in Colorado has got a lot of good points. This says have no problem with the call. They missed a big one earlier, which we talked about. The Eagles defense got exposed when the scheme changed up and they could not adapt. And Nick Jacobs does a great job with his eye in the sky for KSHB 41. He pointed it out pregame. Philly is really bad when you show pre-snap motion. Andy Reid, that's one of his calling cards. Anytime he's got that pre-snap, I mean, on both of those touchdowns, the, the Sky Moore one and the Kadarius Tony one, both pre-snap motion plays that Philly absolutely struggled with. I mean, walk-in touchdowns, basically, for both of those guys. Yeah. Um, let's stick with Juju and that one more time while we're here. Uh, I'm sure you saw. I'm sure you saw the tweets. You always on Twitter, yeah. so of course you saw the tweets. I was ready to get into that. Here, yeah, here we go. Oh God, you you so messy, dog. You so messy. <laughs> you so messy. <laughs> Here's what I'll say: To the victors go to spoils. You knew KC was going to chat a little bit, and, and they earned it. They they, they had kind of tucked their tail, not only going into Cincy but also going into Philly a little bit. We hadn't heard that much between the two. I thought. I mean, it was a. Some people will say Juju didn't have to go there, but I thought it was pretty mild, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think it was just a playful joke. It was Valentine's Day. The guy was holding him. I mean, it played perfectly to the troll. Like, you couldn't draw it up any better on Valentine's Day. So I thought it was playful and funny. But I think I think why people are so upset is the fact that it came from Juju. Absolutely. I don't think it, 
I don't think it's the fact that somebody did it. It's the fact that it was Juju that did it. Because, you know, he has this thing around the league. People kind of don't respect him, I guess, in a certain way. I don't know. Why not? They, they call him TikTok boy, right? Isn't that, the, isn't that what uh, old boy said? Uh, AJ Brown? He called him TikTok boy. Uh, you know, he used to dance on people's logos before the game. So yeah. back from Pittsburgh. So he probably ruffled some feathers back in the day, man. So, you know, <laughs> I, I could see why people maybe feel some type of way about Juju, the one that's doing it. And, you know, now AJ Brown's talking about he was on the way out of his league. But Mahomes saved him, and I was like, "That's cap. That's cap." I mean, come on, big cap. Juju's not a legit. Okay, here, Juju's not a legit number one, but the guy is a number two. Hmm. I, you, think he's, you think he's a legit number one? Not, like he's not like I, a top ten, top fifteen receiver, but I think uh, he's like top twenty five, top twenty. I mean, he he had that year, right? Well, he had that like thirteen hundred, fourteen hundred yeah, year. But that, right? was with, that was with Antonio Brown. He was number two. I, I don't I don't think Juju's been in a situation where he's had to be the number one consistently. I, I'm definitely going to push back on the fact that he was out of the league because that that's just not true. Yeah, that was, was that was he, major. He, he was hurt, yeah. and the only yeah. reason he got a one year deal is because kind of a prove it thing. I think he absolutely earned what the what the paycheck is going to be this off season. I mean, they don't win this game without his stepping up, him stepping up in the fourth quarter. I think yeah. I think and yeah. One drive, he had like four catches. Yeah, his his second half and and his fourth quarter helped power KC there uh if he's a number one or not I don't think he really cares I think he's enjoying and soaking in the Super Bowl moment <clears throat> more than anything else and maybe that was a little sour grapes from from the Eagles they, these teams really hadn't been too spicy during the week so it's natural that it comes after and, and KC won it all man so of course they're gonna talk I mean <laughs> like that was pretty mild compared to what I what I heard from the team today <laughs> like, <laughs> Let's move it along. 26 minutes in here on episode 45. Um, the turf, the grass, what happened? Yeah, I mean, it was a disaster. And it's crazy because remember week one, we had a couple of injuries on that same very field. Uh, you had Bucker get hurt on that field. Trent you had Duffy. Trent yeah. go down on that field. So you would think that all this time to get it together, especially for the biggest game of the year, and it actually seemed like it was worse than it was when they played in week one. $800,000. They put $800,000 into that grass. Guys were slipping and falling like they were ice skating out there, down there on Crown Center during Christmas time. I mean, my gosh, it was crazy. <laughs> you liked that one, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, it was bad, man. Even dudes like, for instance, guys trying to celebrate on both the celebrations. When Kelsey went to go to the stanky leg, he kind of slipped first and then had to get back up. And then when Pacheco scored his touchdown, he was so amped up. He slipped back on his back leg. It was a problem. I think it was. And there is some reporting out there. The NFL tried something different with the Super Bowl. They went with golf grass instead of traditionally grown like football grass, the way that you would traditionally grow a football turf. They did it more so like you would grow a fairway. I'll try and link that. I retweeted that, but it was a long time ago. I'll retweet it again for y'all who are listening. But <clears throat> it wasn't good. And I don't want to insult the sod father because I know he he's KC legacy and KC royalty and all that good stuff, but it might be time to go to the bullpen. <laughs> it, might, it might be time to bring us bring us outside. Hold on. So when when you were on the field, did you feel it at all? I didn't. I wasn't trying to rush the passer, Mark. Well, I know. <laughs> but I'm just, yeah, it's different. I know. Yeah. I know. 
I'm just trying to give people a little insight because you were actually on the field after the game. So I, I was. It, it felt fine to me, but uh, Philly is starting to to say, hmm, you know, we didn't get – we got zero sacks because, you know, we couldn't get the get off and the push off and the turf and it's slipping and sliding. Do you, do you buy into that? I mean, I do think that is a thing because, I mean, you can see replays of guys literally slipping in their, their breaks. So I'm not going to just be naive and say that wasn't a factor at all, but both teams have to deal with it. The Chiefs only had one sack, and it wasn't a traditional sack. Like I said, it was the Colin Saunders chasing the Hurts to the sideline. So neither team had a sack. So, I mean, and the Chiefs were second behind the Eagles in sacks this year. So both teams had to play on it, man. So I mean, so I can't really give uh, too many excuses for them because both teams had to deal with it. I hate this question, but this is a this is a perfect question for you. Are the Kansas City Chiefs a dynasty? Two Lombardi trophies in four seasons, Mark Gunnels. Or is it officially time to to stamp them as a as a dynasty in this year in this this era of NFL football? No, I don't think they're a dynasty yet. <gasps> I, I think they gotta win one more. I can't believe you just said that. Yeah, they gotta win one more. Why? Gotta, to me, three just feels like the the standard. Like in three in about six, seven years, I would say. So they don't have to win one next year, but within the next two years, if they win one, I think they're a dynasty. I mean, we've seen a lot of teams win too, right? Like even the Giants, right? When they beat Brady, they won two in I think five years. Nobody called them a dynasty. <laughs> Thank you, Kramer. That deserves that deserves a big screen treatment. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, the Giants they won two in like five years, and nobody called them a dynasty. But the difference is, though, if you make the argument, the Chiefs have been the five straight AFC Championship games. So it depends on how much value do you put on that. But at the end of the day, to me, what ultimately matters is winning the actual Super Bowl. So you got to, if you win one more, then I will feel comfortable at that point calling them a dynasty. Yeah, I just don't really love this conversation because dynasty is an objective term. And and really, it's... is determined by what you qualify as a dynasty. Some would qualify five straight AFC title appearances as a dynasty. Some would qualify, um, you know, two in four years as a dynasty. Like, uh, it, it's tough. I My answer to this is yes. I think anytime you have 15, you're going to be in championship contention. And anytime you're in championship consistent, con- anytime you're in championship contention consistently, you're going to be considered a dynasty as far as my view is concerned. Now, that they're, they're not going to be able to just fall off the map here. If they're the number one overall pick next year, hell no, they're not a dynasty. But nobody expects that to happen. Uh, obviously, we expect them to continue to be, as long as that core is there, Reed, Veach, Kelsey, and Mahomes, I think they're always going to be in contention. But one seed, two seed, three seed, go on the road for an AFC title game, whatever, whatever. Um, that second one, it puts you in rarefied air and – I just wish that that Super Bowl against Tampa was closer when we're having this conversation because I think that changed how this looks. If they lose to Tom Brady on a game-winning field goal or something similar to what just happened in Super Bowl 57, this conversation feels and looks a lot differently. But people almost throw that one away because it was so lopsided. But it's like, no, they, they've they been to three Super Bowls in, in, in four years. Like, come on, man. That, that deserves some recognition, too, for how hard it is. They're playing the extra game. It's uh, it, it's tough, man. I, I hate having this conversation, but I'm going to say yes. <laughs> Why do you hate it so much, Aaron? 
because there's no real answer, man. It, it, I mean, realistic, yeah. Realistically, yeah. they could win one next year, and we could have the same conversation. Are the Chiefs a dynasty? It's like <laughs> Roger Goodell's not going to come down one day and say, the Kansas City Chiefs are officially a dynasty. Well, I think if they win <laughs> next year, I don't think there will be a question if they win next year. But, for instance, Chris Jones was asked this on the post-game podium. One of the first five questions he was asked after winning the Super Bowl is, are you a dynasty? He says, I don't know. What do y'all think? That's not for us to decide. There, there is no way to 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 modify that or magnify yeah. that or measure it's that. So it, it's, so, it's so subjective. It's it, it's made for first take, which is why you love it so much. <laughs> Can we talk Eric B to me real quick? Yeah, let's talk Eric. <clears throat> I tweeted out a picture of him hoisting up the Lombardi Trophy today, man, and it's got to feel good after what this year was bringing back Nat, Matt Nagy into the fold all the chatter after last year and him unable to secure a, a head coaching position in that cycle. Now another one passes without him getting one. I don't know what the future holds. I'm sure we'll get into that. He's interviewing for the commanders tomorrow reportedly, but what's your read on EB right now and, and that whole situation? Yeah. So right now, if I'm EB, I know he's going to interview for the commander's OC job this Thursday. Um, I'm not taking that job at all. To me, that is a setup for failure. We don't even know who the quarterback's going to be. It's you gonna don't want to work with Carson Wentz? Well, it may not be him. Maybe Sam Howe. I mean, either either or. That that that's not a position where I'm going to risk my NFL livelihood on. Because if he fails there and gets fired, he's cooked. He's cooked. I mean, where who else is going to hire him if if he doesn't succeed there? Because then the narrative is going to be. Oh, he only succeeded because he was with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. So if it's not a head coaching job, and I'm still, I would still be picky about the head coaching job as well. But if it, even if it's a head coaching job, I am still most likely leaning towards staying in Kansas City right now because you have job security. Well, there's no head coaching jobs open. Well, no, I'm saying like, saying like, like next year. Oh, okay. Like, if it's a, a real bad job, I just wouldn't go to the first head coaching job I see. Yeah. I would still have to be a little selective about it. Because in Kansas City, you still have job security as an OC. You're one of the highest paid OCs in the league. And Andy Reid is not going to coach forever. So you still have that in your back pocket. And you would assume, right, that he'll be the head coach in waiting. Or am I off on that? I don't know. That sounds like a lot of assumptions there. I don't know if there's a job in Kansas City for him still, Mark. You don't think he'll be the OC next year? He gonna keep signing one year deals? I mean, what's the alternative? Go to Washington? <laughs> Baltimore? No, they already filled that spot. No, they just hired their OC. Ah, <clears throat> uh, I thought Matt Nagy was the guy in waiting. Isn't he the assistant head coach? Pretty much, yeah. So wouldn't that make him the the heir to the throne or the heir to the kingdom, as Chiefs fan in Colorado just pointed out? Why did EB get jumped in that situation? Oh. <laughs> it's sticky man it's sticky yeah yeah you're right i didn't you're right you're right i didn't consider the matt Nagy narrative of the situation i don't yeah. i i feel bad for eb because i mean with his resume he should have been had a head coaching job by now <sighs> does he not interview well do players not like him is he not the primary play caller i don't know i don't have the speculation on that we've all heard the rumors time and time again i think with his track record he could at least be a college head coach, but 
EB has not come clean and told us what his intentions are. And I think that's part of what makes this whole situation a little bit more murky. He talks in cliches, not only at the podium, but when somebody's sitting down with him one-on-one, if he were to sit down and really come clean about maybe some of the sham interviews that he's had, or maybe what he felt like has where he's been wronged in the process, or maybe where what he what his desires are. I remember one time, this was before I think the Tampa Super Bowl, he says, I want to be a head coach. He needs to say that more often. I don't want him to have to beg for a head coach, and obviously he shouldn't have to do that. But at this point in time, I feel like that's the only way, Mark. It's a damn shame. And it's crazy because both of the coordinators from the Eagles just got hired as head coaches. <laughs> All these mid-head coaches out here, people protecting the NFL head coach, like it's this pure, hard job to get. Like, come on, man. The D.C. from the Eagles is now the head coach in Arizona. And the OC from the Eagles is now the head coach in Indianapolis. <laughs> so, so does your gut tell you your what does your gut tell you where he's where is he be next year? Is he is he back in Kansas City? I think he gives it one more go around. Uh, I, I mean, it's either that or you take the OC job in Washington. That's just, just that's just a, not a good all alternative for playing for me, man. What I heard around the Washington thing, and please don't call this reporting because it's not, it's it's just hearsay, but Ron Rivera has a clock that's ticking, and he could potentially be the heir to the throne there uh, after being the OC for one year. Okay. And now if that is accurate, then that's not a bad – that's a lot more admirable situation for EB at that point. But also – and this will be the last thing on EB because I I, I see some more comments in here talking about play calling and all that. When Andy Reid gets on this post-game podium at the Super Bowl and says, Eric Bieniemy called all the plays that made us tick down the stretch – why don't we take him at face value for that? Why do we think Andy Reid has an ulterior motive when he says things like that and he says he wants to hype up his guy? And he's, stu- I mean, like, if you look at the celebration video, when the clock hits triple zeros, Andy Reid hugs two people right away Steve Spagnolo and Eric Bienemy. Like, yeah. why do people, like, people will believe a fake article that got posted to a random website last year more so than they'll believe the words of the, of the Chiefs head coach? I don't get it. <laughs> I don't yeah. get it. Yeah, it makes no sense, man. It really doesn't. People just have their pre pre notions. That's what hard, it is. It's hard for them to to veer off from that, from what they already believe. So it's unfortunate, man. It's very unfortunate. Okay, we got through the grass. We got through the enemy. We're rolling along here on episode forty five, a celebratory episode, talking about our world champion Kansas City Chiefs. Before we get to the off season preview, let's talk about the parade. I know you weren't out there, but you watched it. I was out there. Did we touch on it a little bit? I know we touched on it a little bit earlier, but you want to go yeah, in depth? Yeah, we're good. Let's go ahead. Yeah. <clears throat> let's um let's go to some sound that we have from today's parade. Patrick Mahomes talking about some of the noise he heard preseason. This season, the AFC West said we were rebuilding. I'm be honest with y'all. I don't know what rebuilding means. <laughs> did people say that the Chiefs were rebuilding this year? I think that might be a li- it might be a little extra sauce on that, just a little bit. I, I think it's some extra sauce on it. <laughs> I see the word I like to use is retooling or reloading. That sounds right. That's better. Yeah, it was yeah. reshape. It was reshaping even because it had to look different without Tyreek. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, there was a lot of noise in the offseason, though. People are saying Mahomes are going to regress without Tyreek. 
the offense won't be the same. Um, they're going to miss Tyron Matthew even in the in the secondary. The leadership can uh, can can uh, can Justin Reed really fill in that slot for him? They got all these rookies starting, and then you got the Broncos who brought in Russell Wilson. The Chargers bring in Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson. Still got Herbert on a rookie deal. The Raiders, you know, people was hyped about Devontae Adams going there. So there was a lot of chatter about the AFC West, and I was one of them, right? I said, this is one of the going to be the one of the best divisions maybe ever. I'm but glad I you're did, holding yourself accountable finally. I did retract yeah. it after week one because you went to go back and look. And you saw I said, it won't be the gauntlet people think it's going to be. It's the Chiefs and Chargers, right? And they both made the playoffs. And then obviously before the year, the media darling in the whole AFC was the Buffalo Bills. Absolutely. Vegas no favorites question. coming into the year. No question about it. Josh Allen's going to win MVP. The Bills, they had that heartbreaking 13-second loss last year. They're going to use that as fuel to get over the hump this year. They bring in Von Miller, one of the best pass rushers we've seen in our lives, to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And they didn't even make it to the AFC Championship game. So they heard the noise. We know these guys are on Twitter. They see everything. Oh, they're they on Twitter. On they may not speak on it until after the season, but they until see Valentine's everything. Day. <laughs> yeah, we want to get a get a hold, right? <laughs> but yeah, man, don't you love uh, tipsy or drunk Mahomes at these parades? Tipsy. <laughs> That boy was more yeah. than tipsy, man. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be I'm trying to be modest here. <laughs> rebuild here. Oh no, what rebuilding is with his raspy voice. <laughs> I give him credit, man. Absolute same route as the last time the Chiefs had a parade, right down Grand. Started at six and grand. Those guys hopped off the buses. They're interacting with fans. I saw Harrison Bucker sign every single autograph that was put in front of his face. He's taking selfies. He's taking pictures. These guys don't have to do that, man. They they don't have to do that. They could be on the bus waving and, and having a good time. Um, these guys understood the magnitude of that moment. They understood what it meant to Kansas City. I think at one point, Kelsey, when he was on the mic, even had said, hey, we do everything we do for this crowd out here right now. And, and Kansas City showed up. The aerial pictures, man, and you can compare it to other parades and other years. Don't do that. Comparison is the thief of joy. It was an absolute amazing experience uh, being out there at the parade. It was warmer than the last time from what I heard as well. Yes, you had to be bundled up if you were standing there for a little bit. But, um, you know, it was it was it was a surreal experience, man. Never take it for granted having parades. And I want to shine a spotlight on these rookies real quick as we as we continue our, our Super Bowl recap here. <clears throat> this is the draft. This is the draft class for, for KC. Trey Wingo uh, of Coast to Coast episodes previously tweeted this out and gave Brett Veach's flowers, but let's go through it again. Trent McDuffie, George Karloftis in the first round. Sky Moore, Brian Cook in the second round. Leo Chanel in the third. Josh Williams in the fourth. Darian Kennard in the fifth. Jalen Watson, Pacheco, and Nazi Johnson in the seventh. Outside of Darian Kennard, who we know was more of a depth piece, all those guys played. All those guys contribute. All those guys had a fingerprints on this Lombardi trophy. Yeah. I mean, Trent McDuffie was was your number one corner in the AFC title game. Yeah. Isaiah Pacheco is your is your starting running back in the Super Bowl and gets a touchdown. Sky Moore yeah. is his first career touchdown in the Super Bowl to give KC yeah. and extend the lead. I mean, the work that 
the team did obviously extremely important, but give Brett Veach his flowers, man. No, hundred percent. I mean, when everybody else is going all in, spending big money on these big time free agents, Brett Veach went the opposite way. He's saving money. He's getting cheap assets and they're contributing year one. And now they're Super Bowl champions, man. I mean, you couldn't draw it up any better for them to be set up for success now and in the future. Their window is wide open. And not even just this rookie class. Nick Bolton, we forget. He's only a second year. <laughs> Let <laughs> like, him know. We look, him, we look at him like he's a five-year veteran or something, right? Like you get yeah. that over about him. He's only a sophomore in the NFL. And he had a touchdown too. So yeah. the last two classes, I mean, just killed it. No linebacker or no player has ever had more tackles in a single season for the Chiefs than Nick Bolton did this regular season for KC. Let's go to Vegas, and then we'll do our off-season preview. Place your bets. Oh, there it is. There it is. Two touchdowns. Win by Elise Church. Let's go to Vegas with Mark. Chiefs fan in Colorado says Kadarius Tony too. We're talking about pickups. I mean, got him for a bucket of balls. And he comes in and makes one of the biggest plays of Super Bowl 57 for KC. Really cool stuff. We'll get some more of your comments a little bit later in the show as we put a bow on Super Bowl 57. Let's put a bow on Mark's picks as well. He gave you three Super Bowl picks, and two of them were winners. He took the Chiefs money line. He called it. I think we both called it. I think I said I Chiefs by three. I hope y'all listened. That was a winner right there. He also said that Kelsey was going to score, and that one cashed easy. I mean, if you had Kelsey half a touchdown, I mean, you were living life because that <laughs> happened that, that happened on the first drive. That's easy money. And then the Pacheco, uh, your last pick was Pacheco receiving yards at 15 and a half, didn't have a catch in the game uh, for Kansas City. But two and one, how do you feel about that? You, you got to feel good, right? Yeah, I know overall I still finished under 500, so – Disappointing year in general. Um, He's so hard on I, yourself. <laughs> say this, though, like if you weren't following all year, you just tell me like for the first half of the year and you just gave up. You still were a winner because I was don't, I was hot the first like eight nine weeks. You had two or three bad weeks that really killed you. Yeah. You went like you went like zero and nine, and then it was like over. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's hard to play catch up at that point. What was my final record? Mark Gunnels finished twenty seven and thirty two on the year. That's a lot of picks, Mark. That's I mean, it's not, yeah. it's not it, bad. It could have been a lot worse. I'll say that. <laughs> Honestly, most gamblers, though, professional gamblers will tell you, you usually around that like 40 to 60, 40 to 55% range if you're yeah. doing this professionally. So, hey, pat yourself on the back. It wasn't a, a, a job well done, but it was a job done. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Next year, we've got to do more uh, collaborative things. Like yeah, that. I'll jump in. I'm I'm still not the gambling guy, you know. I'm I leave that up to you. Yeah, but I feel like since you saw me do it all year, you kind of slowly kind of got That's into true. it. That's true. I know what not to do. I know I know I know what picks not to. Yeah, pick. you learn from my mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> and the Super Bowl is going to be in Vegas next year. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> it's only it's only right. Um, that that we throw in some picks. I I don't know. Serta is out today, but we're gonna try and get together on like a a schedule. I'm sure we'll end up doing a couple more pods, um, before we fully go dark. We'll get a full update for y'all. If y'all are not already following us on social media, go ahead and make sure that happens. At Aaron Lad Zero for me at Mark A Gunnels 
for the kid from Kansas City. We'll keep you updated on our recording schedule. Definitely probably going to slow down since the season is over, but we'll definitely have something leading up to the draft, as we always do, and definitely more recap because they're the world champions, man. There's going to be there's going to be much more sound coming out. Yeah, you know, free agency, trade rumors. You know, That's your bag. Like, yeah, yeah. It's my time of season now. Go I'm ahead. Go ahead and give us the – now, don't go overboard. Leave some meat on the bones a little bit because the Super Bowl parade was today. Don't okay. kick these guys out of Kansas City just yet. But who are we watching entering this, this offseason and free agency? Well, you know, you're watching McCall Hartman. Uh, obviously, unfortunately, he couldn't play in the Super Bowl. Um, really curious to see how they go in that direction as, as well as Juju. The receiving room in general, um, MVS has an out but they'll probably keep him around. Uh, Juju's a real free agent, so I was curious to see what happens there. I do think they would like to keep him, but the price would have to be right. Um, and then, obviously, Chris Jones. Uh, he's in line for a big payday, so uh, it's going to be curious to see how that dialogue goes. Some people think they should maybe trade him. <laughs> they do the whole Tyreek Hill thing and don't pay him the $30 million a year or whatever he's going to be worth. So we'll see. I'm not going to give my opinion on it yet. I'm going I'm to enjoy this for right now. I, w- I want to ask you this, though, at the parade, when Kelsey was saying, say, uh. Nah, nah, nah. Were you, were you, were you in the crowd doing it? Uh. <laughs> 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 well, you know, Andy Reid said Master P was one of his favorite rappers. That, yeah. that's, right there on, <laughs> that's right there on brand. I want to get in on this free agency conversation because, yes, we have to have it. I know the parade was today. Uh, a name you didn't mention was Orlando Brown Jr., and he was a guy coming into this year. We were all eyes on when is he going to report to camp, what's going to be the price tag, is he going to sign his deal, he turned down what, how much, he thinks he's a franchise, yada, yada, yada. This is what happens when you win the Super Bowl. For Mark Gunnels, who's listening, and for everybody who's rocking with us, guys want to get paid. Guys understand that they were part of making that happen. And all those sacrifices that y'all said make in, in, in the offseason last year and, and be a team player, it, it's got to pay off now. So to me, and we've got some information from Albert Breer does a great job for NFL Network. He put a story out right before the Super Bowl about talking with Brett Veach and kind of how they see the roster and how they built around Mahomes. From that, from that story, I basically conclude they see Chris Jones as one of those core pieces, right? Those franchise cornerstones where he's kind of like a, a he's a non-negotiable type thing. I, I used to think Tyreek Hill was in that conversation, but obviously um, the threshold is different, maybe necessarily. I think after the year Chris Jones had this year, uh, it seems like a no-brainer to pay him. If I'm making early guesses, I think uh, maybe McCole Hartman is in a different jersey next year. But there's going to be changes, man, and that's natural. That's part of the game. The 53 is going to look different. I think the core is going to be there. There's going to be some changes in the defensive line room. Um, there's going to be guys who get bigger offers and better offers than other places. But that's what happens when you win a championship, man. Everybody had a hand in on that, and everybody's going to want to cash out, whether they're up for a deal or not. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Orlando Brown Jr. Because I didn't bring him up because I just automatically assume he's going to get tagged. Hmm. that's been my thought process this whole entire time that he's the likely tag candidate. So that's why I didn't even the really second, the tra- the transition tag you talking about. Cause he already yeah. got tagged. He already got tagged. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The transition tag. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I think they're going to have to get creative with the, with the work. And, and this is kind of, I was talking about, we'll get more sound over the next coming days. Brett Veach always does uh, a bunch of sound after the chief season is over and then leading up to the draft. And he's really good with insight. He's not somebody that you have to read between the lines. He's just going to tell you what it is. <clears throat> and he, to me is someone that we are listening to talk to and we'll have key questions on. All right. How do you see the wide receiver room shaking out? Because I, I believe it's just Tony, MVS and Sky Moore are the guys who are under team contract or team control going into next year. How do you see the defensive line room? Because there's going to have to be some tough decisions, as there are every year, um, on, on who's going to get paid and who's doing what. Yeah, 100%. And the work starts now. You know, for fans and everybody else, it's time to party still all week. But <laughs> trust me, Brett Veach is in the war room right now. Uh, talking to his scouts, seeing who to draft, talking, looking at free agency, trying to figure out how he's going to finagle this money around and make everybody happy. So, yeah, the, the party now, but the people in the front office are back at work tomorrow. Trust me. Let's take a couple questions before we get out of here. <clears throat> the first one is from Chiefs fan in Colorado once again. EB will get the OC job for the commanders. If he does, do you see Matt Nagy taking over in Kansas City as the offensive coordinator? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I would agree with that. And I still think it's going to be a play caller by committee type situation, um, even if he has the title, um, so to speak. Um, maybe a performance based contract for Orlando Brown Jr. That's from Chiefer 65 TPT. Yeah, I mean, it just all depends on to me what happens with Chris Jones. That's the first line of work, I think. First domino to fall? 100%. You have to figure out that domino, and then everybody else falls in line. So, yeah, we'll see, man. He he definitely, definitely helped his case in the Super Bowl, not allowing any sacks against the best pass rush in the NFL. So that's definitely something him and his agent can come to the table and talk about. And he was pretty clean in the entire playoffs. So he definitely has a, an argument to get paid this offseason. Draft is in KC. You pulling up? I'm there. Pick 32, the Kansas City Chiefs world champions hosting the NFL draft. Can't wait, man. Oh, my goodness. it's It still doesn't feel real. Maybe I'll have the epiphany moment this week where it's like, damn, I just covered Super Bowl. Great. Yeah. I think because everything just happened so fast, you haven't had a chance to actually sit down and reflect. <laughs> Anytime I sit down, I start snoring. When I start falling <laughs> <start> asleep. <laughs> For Mark Gunnels out in L.A., Steven Serta, not Steven Serta, Kramer Sandstone behind the board. Aaron Ladd here in KC. Coast to coast is out of here. Peace.